Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. This is Hallis Intrigue, the Chicago Sun-Times Bears podcast. Where Jason coming up, we will talk about the Bears waving the, the white flag. We will wonder what in the world Bears fans have to look forward to on Sunday against the Vikings. And we will talk about serious matters like DeMar Hamlin and how Bears players are expected to turn the page. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. <clears throat> Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, it's official. The Bears are actively trying to not win on Sunday. Let's not confuse that with them not being able to win for the last nine weeks because on Wednesday, Matt Eberflus said that Justin Fields was being shut down with a quote-unquote hip strain. He said Fields came to Hallis Hall on Monday, got an MRI, doctor said it was a strain, and doctors would not clear him to play in the game. He said that that had nothing to do with coaches. That is just the medical staff said he can't play. Do you believe a word of that? No. <laughs> and it's a very easy question for Matt Eberflus to answer when somebody says, hey, if this was a playoff game, if this was a game with serious stakes, would Justin Fields be able to play? And it's very easy for Matt Eberflus to say no, because right. it's purely a hypothetical. There would be no way to disprove it. Mm-hmm. So for him to say, no, no, he's hurt, he's hurt. This is not about this game meaning nothing. There's no there's no way you can prove otherwise. So mm-hmm. he might as well say that. Um, Justin Fields was the only thing that would have given them a chance to win this game. Right. Even then, right. They this is a team that just got clobbered by the Lions. So they're probably still not winning no matter what Minnesota does. Uh, when you take Fields out of the equation, now you're totally safe. Yep. There, there's no shot in the world of winning this game. Well, and of course, the reason the Bears are incentivized to lose on Sunday is because if they lose and the Texans win against the Colts, who might be a bigger train wreck than either, either of the above, uh, then the Bears would have the number one overall pick. If the Bears lose and the Texans lose, then the Bears have the number two overall pick. If the Bears win, they could end up drafting third or fourth, depending on how everything shakes out. The lesson here is the Bears are determined to do their part and not win on Sunday. When I looked at the line yesterday, by the way, I think it was Minnesota had started as like Minnesota by two and then had gone to Minnesota by four. It's now doubled to Minnesota by eight as of right as of this recording Wednesday afternoon. Right. And it'll probably go even higher. I'm guessing the money was going to is going to come in on the Vikings because the Vikings have something to play for. Sure. They will play their key guys, according to Kevin O'Connell. He said that they might make some subtle changes, but they're not going to just bench Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson because they're playing for home field in the second round of the playoffs. If they get the number two seed, they'd have home field the first two weeks. They would need a miracle to get that. If they win, the Cardinals would have to beat the 49ers, and the Cardinals are a mess too, but you still got to try. Yeah, you want that. You want yeah. that. And they're coming off uh, probably their worst game of the season, mm-hmm. probably their most upsetting game of the season. The Vikings getting blown out by Green Bay. Um, yeah, you want to you want to feel like you're on a roll going into the playoffs. I would suspect that Minnesota will have this game well in hand at halftime and mm-hmm. be looking to pull guys either then or maybe in the third. Maybe quarter. that's the goal. Yeah, maybe that's the goal. Is let's go murder them and then uh, and then. Um, and you know we'll come back out in, in the fourth quarter. Will be Sean Mannion time or whoever their backup quarterback is. You, know you know what's tough for me, Pet, is uh, and this is glaring at quarterback, but also everywhere else on this roster. There, is there a bunch of like young, unproven guys that you're excited to see that you're like, hey, let's find out what so and so has? No, I mean part of it is they've been playing their young guys. I mean, you know, you know, Josh Blackwell. Here's one, Josh Blackwell. 
young guy. He's been playing. He's been playing. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I mean, I can't name a player who's lingered kind of below the two deep that hasn't gotten an opportunity because of injury or because of yeah. or of any other reason. So, no. Like, I mean, if I tell you Darrington Evans is going to get 20 carries, I don't think that really does anything for Also, Darrington Evans played this season. I mean, it's not like yeah. some practice squad guy, you know, coming up. I, I, no, the short answer is no. I think you're asking me in a roundabout way, what is there to, to look for on Sunday? What is there to watch? And, man. Not much. Well, you get to watch Justin Fields end the season healthy because we know this injury is not serious and probably wouldn't even keep him out of a game that mattered. Mm -hmm. And you get to watch the Bears virtually assured now of picking first or second. It is funny to talk about a team that's won nine in a a row as, oh, now we know they're going to lose. But, yeah, I mean, it's right. You know, Nathan Peterman... (laughs) Nathan Peterman hasn't won a football game in a long time. And, you know... If he's winning a football game in the third quarter, <laughs> I don't know what what's going to happen to him. But um, yeah, yeah, they're not going to try to win. It, I, I struggle, Jason, between. I understand why they're doing this. I get. I I have an issue with them not being frank about it and essentially saying he's got a hip injury, which I'm sure his hip is hurting. He played through that. He played. Through he it. suffered he that went, injury during the Detroit game. The and played tent. through it. Yeah, he went to the medical tent, used the Theragun, and went back out there. The minute the game ended, he said, I want to be out there no matter what. His head coach said, if he's healthy, he will be out there. And the way the story is being told by Eberflus is he came in Monday and he said, oh, man, my hip hurts. And that changed things. I'm skeptical of that. Oh, yeah, of I, I understand intellectually why they would do this. But there's a part of me, Jason, a big part of me, that says we've listened to Matt Eberflus for 17 and a half weeks plus training camp plus OTAs, talk about building a culture, talk about building championship habits, talk about things that are intangible because, you know, Lord knows if you measured this coaching staff on tangibles, they're all failing. Right. Is it part of a championship culture to sit your quarterback when he's healthy? Is it part of the hits principle to not approach the game with the intensity that you would any other week? It's, it, it is antithetical to the thing that he holds up as proof that he is being successful, even though we can't measure. I think this is an easy way to measure the culture of a team, and I don't think it reflects well on them. It does contradict what he's been saying for, for almost a full year now, almost right. a full calendar year. Right. I do think that that could be avoided by being more straightforward about it yeah. and saying, hey, this is the same way if they were 13 and 3 and right. didn't need the game for seeding or something like that. They'd say, "Hey, we're not we're not going to risk certain things in a game that doesn't affect us. That, that we can say objectively and the adults in the room in that locker room can hear this. This game is not really important and we're not taking any chances with our quarterback getting hurt or whatever in that game." The problem is then the problem is that what they're doing on one side of saying Fields is out. Right. With this injury that everyone saw him play through on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then going into Sunday trying to treat it like a real game with the third stringers that are going to be in there, I, that's where it's a big contradiction to me. I think you should be able to say, "Hey, look, like hits principle doesn't apply in this situation. We're doing what's best for us in the long term. No one could argue that what's best for the Bears, tangibly and otherwise, is to lose this game, get the first or second pick guaranteed, get out of this with Justin Fields in good health." 
and move on rather than, you know, just hope for some miracle with Nathan Peterman or hope for some miracle beating the Vikings. I think that would be particularly hard to do this week. And the reason for that is what happened on Monday night with DeMar Hamlin. I think it would be hard to tell Bears players, or to tell the world and your locker room, we're not trying to win, but we but go run out there and lay your body on the line to accomplish a goal that we don't want you to accomplish. If they come out and say we're tanking or we're not going to try and win on Sunday, if I'm in that locker room, you know, why should I chase that tackler? You don't want to win this game. Why should I make a block? Why should I pick up a pass block that's going to really hurt? <laughs> if my coaching staff in my front office, namely my front office, is actively rooting against us to win, and they're actively doing that by refusing to play Justin Fields, I think that players this week, because of the Hamlin injury, I think it. I think they will be hard to motivate anyway because I think it's a very human reaction to sit there and go what in the world are we doing and with with a carrot at the end like hey we're going to make the playoffs hey we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl that's I, I think that that it's easier to move past than a game that doesn't matter am I am, am I I'm worried that I'm kind of meshing the two big news stories of the day but I think there's something to that. No, I think what you, I think there is. I think what you're describing is what's on the at the forefront of every player in the league's mind this week, no matter what their situation is with their game. I think as far as motivation in this game, the Bears, this is one of the reasons why Matt Eberflus' message has worked well this year is because most of their team is fledgling guys. Right. Most of their team are is rookies or guys that are on one-year contracts that – could very well not be in the league next right. year. Mm -hmm. Nikhil Harry could very well not be in the NFL next year. Sure. Totally possible. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one more game where they can try to earn something individually. Yep. But if I'm anyone that has, is established or secure in my standing here, if I'm Cody Whitehair, for example, mm -hmm. or Chase Claypool, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't need to play in this game, and I'm going to make sure that they know I don't want to play in this game. I'm hurt, too. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too, is... You know, I wonder whether they have players on their roster that will sit there and say, ow, my hamstring, you know, <laughs> at some point this week. Uh, you know, that wouldn't be – it would be bad, but why would it be surprising? I why, mean, would you want to play in this game? Once they've told you the quarterback's not going to play? I'd, it's, hard, it's hard to have this conversation in the direct wake of the Hamlin injury because – Believe me, we know how serious that is. And when you hear Matt Eberfuss talk today about making team psychologists available to players, about meeting with their leadership council on, uh, on Tuesday morning, or on Wednesday morning, I'm sorry, uh, and talking to players about their feelings and saying, really, there's no wrong answer here in terms of how you feel. There's no wrong way to feel about this. And then somebody says, would you be surprised if your players would not want to play? Or what would you tell them? He essentially said it's your job to play football. <laughs> like, he was sensitive about it, you know, but reading between the lines, I don't think he wants to open up the possibility that players could opt out of this game because of what happened. And I don't know what the right answer is here, but I, I think that... I don't know that I would want to play, 
but the way the NFL salary structure is <laughs> organized, I'm on, if I'm on a non-guaranteed deal, I'm playing because that's how I get paid. In general, week 18 maybe a little different, but I, I, I think I think if it's your job, I think the expectation is that you go to work on Sunday. As scary as it is, that's also how these guys are conditioned. I mean, there's the way injuries are handled in the NFL is you see you see gruesome injuries, not like what happened to Demar Hamlin. That's not regular, but you see like someone gets their knee twisted the wrong way, or we just had. Uh, a few weeks ago, Tevin Jenkins left the field on a stretcher wearing a neck brace. On a backboard, yeah. You saw him moving. He right. turned out. It turned out to be a neck strain and not so serious, and he played again after that. You saw him kicking his feet. You knew that he was, in general, he was conscious and had movement and things like that. But they got him out of there. They took him to the hospital. The game resumed. Yep. That's how injuries are typically handled in football. This one is an outlier because it was so jarring to see on the field. But I, they're not canceling games this week. I mean, no. the Bills even on Wednesday didn't they didn't practice, but they had meetings yeah, they as, as they would for a normal Wednesday, getting ready for their Week 18 game. Well, and part of it too is how scary it was. The other part is it's on Monday Night Football. It's on one of the NFL's you know premier broadcasts, and it was expected to be the biggest Monday Night Football game of the year with a lot at stake and, and big offenses. People were watching. Monday Night Football has more cameras than your typical broadcast does. It was, it was jarring because of how horrifying it was, but also because on the stage it was broadcast on went out to a lot of people in a way that when Tevin Jenkins went out on a backboard, it didn't. True, yes. Uh, Nathan Peterman, when he talked about it today, Nathan Peterman, the Bears... Third-string quarterback. Say the word starting. Say the word starting, Jason. He's the starting quarterback. He's the third-string quarterback <laughs> who happens to be starting this week. Uh, he went to Pitt like Demar Hamlin. They overlapped barely, I think. Uh, he, I believe he said his last year was Demar Hamlin's first year. And uh, the Bears just played the Bills two, three weeks ago. Christmas Eve. Yeah, and he said that he talked to him after the game. So, that, I mean, there are some connections here. I'm sure there are other Bears players who had interacted with him Um in that game, as a young player, like he doesn't have a, you know a wide network of former teammates, anyway. But uh, there are a lot of connections to this um, in terms of having just played them a couple weeks ago, and uh, Khalil Herbert played against him in college, um, and it's just obviously it's the dominant story throughout the league this week. And while they are going to go on and play all the week eighteen games, I mean, there's going to be. They're gonna, there's going to be a moment of uh, respect or whatever they want to have, um, a moment of contemplation at every stadium in the league, I'm sure, on Saturday and Sunday. And even if there wasn't, I'm sure that these guys will have a, a patch or, or a sticker or something uh, on their shoes, on their cleats maybe. Like This is going to be at the front of every player's mind in the league throughout the weekend going into the game. And I think that first snap is going to be really scary for everybody, probably. You know, I'm sure it'll get into a rhythm where you go, ah, this is just my job, you know, and you go about it. But, um, you know, you mentioned how many guys here, are, you know, the, the, you know, that Peterman knew Hamlin or knows Hamlin. I would argue that the NFL, NFL players are such a fraternity that I don't think it matters whether you knew them or not. I think there are only so many people on the planet that get paid to do this violent, scary, 
thrilling, mm -hmm. dangerous, you know, uh, job that's, you know, 17 Sundays <laughs> and it has an off season. It's such a bizarre way to make a living and a unique way yeah. to make a living that I think players view each other as brothers, whether they've ever met or not. And you saw that. I mean, you saw that on the sideline on Monday night. You know, I mean, the Bengals players were just as horrified and scared as the Bills players were. And, you know, many of them didn't know him either. But, you know, you know, I, I think they are brothers in risk, probably. And yeah, I think there's a connection. Like, you take yeah. DeAndre Houston Carson, for example. I don't know if he knows uh, DeMar Hamlin. Probably not. They don't. Their paths haven't crossed in any meaningful way that I'm aware of. But there's a connection between, like, I, I know what that job is that just got him. Right. That just put his life on the line. I know exactly what that job is. I know hits like that. I, I get hit and deliver hits like that. I know exactly what that life is like. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, best we know from the information that's out there, you know, he was just, he was hit square in the chest on a very basic, normal-looking play. And to me, that's part of what's scary. It's not like... It's not like it took an illegal hit. It's not like it was somebody lowered a helmet. There is no teaching point, Jason, this week at practice where you can sit there and say, remember, guys, don't do this because it exposes you to something that's scary. This is just a regular-looking, seeming play. And um, that would scare me if I were a player. I think we talked about this. I've talked about this a couple of times at the start of every season. Jason... The first preseason game, I am always shocked as to the amount of violence that's on the field. Yeah, because we're not used to it. <laughs> because we've had we've had eight months without watching it, and you know the first time somebody goes down, I sit there and I always go, "Oh my god!" You know, I get the binoculars out and go, oh, "Is it gonna be okay?" And then by mid-season, <laughs> we're I personally I can't speak for you, but you're so accustomed to it that it doesn't really grab you unless stretcher comes out yeah. or unless somebody walks toward the wrong sideline or something with it with a head injury it becomes such a part of the rhythm of the game that it's easy to it's easy in my head to compartmentalize it and if it's easy for me to i'm sure players have to it, but to be reminded of just how violent this is is and i i really think has made kind of everybody associated with with the league including me kind of sit there and wonder or sit there and, and, and uh, like I said, have a little fear about what we're going to watch on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, shifting back to the Bears, they have lost nine in a row. Seamless transition, Jason. <laughs> it was going fine until you had to... Um, no, no, I'm giving you a hard time. There's no... And, and this right. is important. I, I mean, you can keep going if you want. No, no, no. But, you know, and this came up with Matt Eberflus in his press conference on Wednesday. There's really no seamless way to get in and out of a conversation about DeMar Hamlin and then talking about, well, what about this game on Sunday? And we had to do that a couple of different times, and I thought Eberflus handled it well. Uh, and I thought you handled it well just now, Jason. I'm just, I was trying to lighten the mood with some awkward laughter, and it didn't work. You were going to say? Nine-game losing streak, okay. uh, longest they've ever had, and I'm not even – I'm really kind of like season over now at this point. I'm not really concerned with what happens here right. against the Vikings. Fair. Uh the last few weeks of the nine-game losing streak felt a little different to me than uh, the beginning, where when they were maybe four or five losses into that, it had lost to the Dolphins and 
had that, uh, I think, a one-point loss at home to the Lions. They were scoring 30. Uh, the last couple weeks have felt a little worse to me. They were in that Buffalo game in the second half, sort of, although you just felt like it was inevitable. Uh, they end up losing that one by three touchdowns. They get just totally blown out by the Lions. Uh, has it raised any concerns for you to see the offense struggling the last few weeks? Let me read you their point totals the last five weeks. 10, 13, 20, ooh, 20, 19, and 10. Yeah, I think that feels differently than when you're scoring 29 and 30 and still losing. Yeah, the previous five games were 24, 30, 32, 29, 33. So I, I think that's the reason why. And part of it is just, in my head, a, a pure entertainment factor of just, it's more fun to watch when, when they score. But also, you could see the progress in the middle of the season during that five-game run. And now it feels like they're going backwards every week. And I'd be curious if you put Truth Serum in, in Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus, how much that contributed to the decision to sit Justin Fields on Sunday. If Justin Fields was hanging 30 on people and still losing games, would they want to see another game of that uh, versus now? Uh, but, yeah, it feels like the offense is stagnated. I guess they could blame injuries, but... You know, part of the, you know when you have a really bad roster, part of that is when your starters get hurt, the guys you replace them with aren't very good. That's just kind of the way it works. And I don't think it's an excuse. I think it speaks to to what they have and don't have, which is you know right now they're paying they're paying more money for people to play for other teams or be hurt than they are guys for guys to take the field on Sunday. And if they rest more veterans than just Justin Fields, that number will only grow greater. It's gotten increasingly unproductive to try to evaluate Justin Fields during the last few weeks, I think, because of who he's playing with. I mean, all the pro- all the concerns you had about the way that they were putting pieces around him or not putting pieces around him in the offseason, those all came true. Sure. There was no offensive line. There were no receivers. Yep. There was just very little help. And amazingly, the guy progressed anyway. Right. He's not been a prolific passer, but he's been efficient. He's been better than last season. He's definitely taking a step forward as a passer. He still has like two or three more steps to take. Yeah, four or five. Maybe. I mean, yeah, just threw right. for 75 yards last week. That's not very good. But now you're like, now you're further depleting what was already a very shaky situation. Where if he was going to play this week, I mean, it'd be what? Claypool and Byron Pringle maybe? Yep. Would be his guys? That could be St. Brown? Yeah. I mean, and you're constantly seeing Pat. You know, you watch the film. You watch the film on Mondays. You know, yeah. you see this all the time. Four man rush from the defense. Yep. In the backfield immediately, mm-hmm. and there's a spy watching field so he doesn't run. Yep. And no one's open downfield. Well, well and where's he, he supposed to go? Well, with and that? he gets into bad habits too. And he said this on on Sunday afternoon that because he can turn into go from Clark Kent to Superman a lot, he tries to do that on every time there's a guy near him when maybe he should just throw the ball away. I worry, I think that's a fine trait to have, but I think it's become a habit that the Bears need to break him of. And uh, maybe, that the Bears created. Yeah, well, they created it by not giving him any help. Right. And uh, maybe that's different when there's actual stakes to play for, and God, I don't know when that will be. Next year, maybe? Halfway through the season, maybe? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's what we thought they were going to be. I think we thought that they'd end up with a couple more wins than they than they will end up having, but you know you could go back you know the Commanders game, you know the the you know the first Vikings game, the game in New York, 
you know, the Falcons game in Atlanta, the Lions game at home. I mean, they split those instead of instead of getting swept. They're kind of exactly where where uh, we thought yeah. they'd be record-wise. And all of the big red flags that we circled to start the season, none of them were solved. I mean, they only got worse. Right. And maybe the only difference, I think, Jason, is I didn't know a defensive line could be as bad as their defensive line. Could just get nothing. Nothing. Could just basically be like it's not there. Yeah, literally. Um, so in that regard, maybe sitting fields is for the best for him and for everyone. But it, it certainly makes a mockery out of yeah, what's going on Yeah, it's the Sunday. best for everyone except if you're watching on Sunday. <laughs> and we get paid to watch, so that's part of it. Uh, and also, you know, I want to see him... And, and then I'll then we'll go, but I think this is important to say. They haven't had a fun quarterback in a long time. <laughs> and if you know, when we look back five years from now, I think I will remember Justin Fields' runs and just the amount of the amount of raw skill that he showed as the one thing that really jumped out. And maybe one of the reasons I'm annoyed by them sitting him Sunday, even though I understand, is that Bears fans were are, this is one, I mean, Bears fans don't have a chance to watch a really unique skill set very often. And any time that's taken away from them or even from us in the press box, I don't think there's any way to view that as, uh, as something to celebrate. Yeah, I think the last few weeks was when it started to get less fun. But it, it, when they were maybe four games into their losing streak, it w- those were still fun games to watch. Sure. And he is flawed as a quarterback at this stage. He's got a lot to work on. Mm-hmm. But there is no, no disputing that he's fun to watch. He, he had made, he did make Sundays interesting here. They lost by thirty-one on Sunday, and he had one hundred and five rushing yards at the end of the first quarter. I mean, that's the Bears. Yeah, what was his long run? Sixty-seven or something like that. It was I mean, sixty it, even, and, yeah, it's and like another that, one at thirty-two. That, that, when you're watching a guy where that could happen anytime, even with this roster, right. that could happen anytime. Sure, that's fun to watch. Right. He and needs to add to that to be to be an elite quarterback who's going to win games for you. And the Bears need to add to that so they don't have to rely on him turning into Superman to be successful. But even in the meantime, it's very fun to watch. Yeah, it's exciting. And instead, what are good things to do Sunday instead of watching the Bears? <laughs> uh, take your Christmas tree down. I, I think that's probably a good one. What do you think? Uh, uh, sit there and think your thoughts. Oh, I don't want it's okay to, to do that. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts ever, Jason. I, I don't like that. Um, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. We will come back at you on Sunday from the press box at Soldier Field. And after that, uh, during uh, the following week's locker clean out and assorted uh, things, Ryan Pace and, or I'm sorry, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are expected to talk next week as well. And we will uh, be uh, here throughout all of that. Uh, until then, follow Jason, follow myself, follow Mark Potash on Twitter. Check us out at the SunTimes website. Or in print. Thank you again for listening. We will be back again next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in depth, long form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.